0: Ellen said at the start of our service our theme today is rejoicing this Sunday in the church calendar is known as Gaudate Sunday which is Latin for rejoice and in the midst of the darkness and the gloom of winter and the kind of hardship of advent there's this moment of joy and light and joyfulness and so our reading this morning follows that same theme it's from Philippians 4 I'm going to start at verse 4 we've taken the Bibles out of the pews I have the chairs even, because uh, we've got the schools in this week, but if you want to follow on your phone, uh, feel free to do so. Uh, Philippians 4, starting at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And if I pray that you take these uh, words of scripture and apply them to our hearts by your spirit. Uh, Lord, give us ears to hear and hearts to understand uh, that we might grow in our knowledge of you and in our holiness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, Book of uh, Philippians is called that because it was written to the church in Philippi it uh, was a small church was a struggling church a church which had known uh, great persecution uh, much hardship and it's written by the apostle Paul um, who is writing from prison and so he's been imprisoned for his faith imprisoned for his testimony about Jesus and he's worried about his church Um, Quite often, several times throughout the uh, book of uh, Philippians, the phrase, uh, stand firm or hold on, uh, comes up several times. And it appears that what's happened is that people are starting to uh, drift away, people are starting to uh, fall away, they're finding it too hard uh, to be a Christian. And so to those who are struggling in their discipleship, who are reconsidering their commitment, Uh, Paul writes from prison to encourage them, exhort them and uh, tell them to hold on, to stand firm. And so he gives them these words of encouragement. I just want to briefly look at four uh, words of encouragement that there are in that passage for us today. The first and most obvious one is the first instruction that he gives. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. So important, he repeats himself. The first thing he says to this church who are fearful, this church who are struggling, this church that are drifting off is rejoice in the Lord. Specifically, rejoice in the Lord. It's not that they are to rejoice in spite of their circumstances. It's not even that they are to rejoice uh, through gritted teeth. It's that they are to rejoice in the Lord. They're to rejoice in the goodness that is found in God. They're to rejoice in his blessing. The writer to the Hebrews was writing to a church which was undergoing the same trials and tribulations. He too is writing to uh, encourage them. And he has a similar message. Hebrews 3, verse 1, fix your thoughts upon Jesus. Hebrews 12, verse 2, fix your eyes upon Jesus. They're to rejoice, but their rejoicing is to be focused, and it's to be focused in the person of Christ on the Lord uh, Jesus Christ. And it's only in looking to God that we can truly uh, rejoice The road we travel may be difficult, it might even be distressing at times. But we can look to God, and as we look to God, we can rejoice in him. For he is good, and he is kind, and he is merciful, and he is forgiving. Think of the example of John the Baptist. He looks to Jesus at the start of his ministry. John saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man comes after me who has surpassed me. John the Baptist led the people in repentance, in confession, as we've done uh, this morning. And then the Messiah, the Lord Jesus, appears on the scene, and Jesus immedi- uh, John immediately uh, points his followers uh, towards Jesus. Look to him, he says, the Lamb of God. Henry Nguyen was a writer in the middle of the 20th century. Uh, He wrote many books on the spiritual disciplines, um, encouraging Christians in their faith, encouraging them in, in prayer and walking with Christ. And he wrote much on the theme of joy. He said this. Whatever we may think or say about God, when we are not joyful, our thoughts and words cannot bear fruit. Jesus reveals to us God's love So that his joy may become ours and that our joy may become complete. Joy is the experience of knowing that you are unconditionally loved and that nothing sickness, failure, distress, oppression, war, even death can take that love away. Joy is not the same as happiness. We can be unhappy about many things. But joy can still be there because it comes from the knowledge of God's love for us and that love never changes nor fades away. So this is Paul's first encouragement. Rejoice in the Lord. I'll say it again, rejoice. And So the question for us is, well, where is rejoicing in your life? Where is rejoicing in our lives? You might say, well, we've just done it. We've had a worship band and we're in a beautiful church and we're with our friends and music is great and we like the songs. That's when I rejoice. But what about if you're in prison like Paul? What if you're a tiny church that has no musicians and uh, no buildings and times are hard? Where is the rejoicing then? Where's the rejoicing in your prayer life? I'm sure there is lots of intercession, praying for others, praying for your children, uh, praying uh, for your family, praying for the big things going on in our world. But is there rejoicing there? And is there rejoicing in the Lord? Rejoicing in his love and his grace and his mercy and his faithfulness. Let me encourage you, if you've never done it before, to introduce rejoicing into your prayer life when the kids are out the husband's away and the doors close you're in the house on your own put on that worship cd and rejoice the lord if maybe that's not your style uh, you're much more kind of uh, quiet perhaps introverted uh, just read through the gospels again and consider the grace and the mercy of the lord jesus take some time to rejoice in him The first encouragement is to rejoice in the Lord. The second is to hold on to the character of Christ. One of the key challenges of following the Lord Jesus and thus the aspect most likely to be put down when things get hard is the commitment to adopt Christ's character in the everyday trials and tribulations of life. Paul encourages the Philippian believers Um, particularly those who are reconsidering their commitment to continue to live in the spirit of gentleness. He writes, let your gentleness be evident to all. I wonder how many of us, if asked to describe ourselves in three words, would choose gentleness. It's not a commodity that goes down well in our culture. Twitter is rarely gentle. The comment sections under the articles we read online are seldom gentle. We live in a culture that is increasingly kind of caustic, abrasive. And yet we are called to be gentle. We're called to be gentle because our Lord was gentle. Notice how Jesus describes himself. And there are very few places in the scriptures where Jesus does describe himself. But he does in Matthew's Gospel. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart my yoke is easy and my burden is light the reference to his yoke probably means his teaching and he says it's neither burdensome nor stringent the very next passage in matthew's gospel shows the pharisees making lots of legalistic demands of their followers uh, jesus doesn't make these kind of demands He certainly asks much of his disciples. He will send them into persecution. They'll be arrested, some will be flogged. He tells them to take up their crosses and to follow him. But he makes these demands with gentleness. He's humble. He's humble because he gives us rest from bad laws and forgives us when we break good laws. He delivers us from legalism, and he calls us to discipleship. And he does so with humility. Jesus invites people to follow him. He doesn't coerce, he doesn't bribe, he doesn't threaten. When the rich young ruler walks away from Jesus, Jesus weeps but does not run after him. There is strength in his gentleness. One of the fruit of the Spirit in the life of his followers is that same character of gentleness. Just as it marked the Lord Jesus, so it should mark those who claim to follow him. The fruit of the Spirit, the work of the Spirit in a believer's life is love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Let the fruit of God being at work in your life be seen by all. Don't fall into the trap of uh, becoming caustic or hardened or uh, defensive or overly uh, demanding or assertive. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Let God keep working in your life and show forth that fruit. The third thing he says to the church in Philippi is that the Lord is near they are to hold on to the nearness of God at the heart of the good news of Jesus is the announcement that God is near the theme of most of Jesus's sermons was the kingdom of God is at hand it's close by you can reach out and you can touch it God is not distant or aloof doesn't require sacrifice before we can draw close to him in Christ Jesus God has come close to us and made the ultimate sacrifice for us wherever we are at home at work the Lord is near whatever's going on in our lives our relationships our workplace our family the Lord is near Whatever we're going through in our struggle to follow Christ and to witness to his lordship, the Lord is near. Paul's words, the Lord is near, are intended to bring comfort and consolation. To encourage and strengthen everyone who has ever stepped out on the journey of following Jesus. Remember the words of Psalm 139. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in, behind and before. You've laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there also. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. I love that image. Your right hand will hold me fast. Remember taking the kids camping once. Being in the tent, a mighty storm, uh, well I say a mighty storm, it felt like a mighty storm uh, to us in the tent. The rain was coming down, uh, the tent was rattling, Uh, we were slightly fearful we might be blown away. Uh, Kids couldn't sleep, we were thinking are we going to pack this in, go home or are we going to stick it out? And I just remember one of the kids' hands just kind of sneaking out of their sleeping bag and coming over to my sleeping bag and taking hold of my hand and me just holding onto their hand and then them falling asleep. In the midst of the storm, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. The Lord is near writes as he's chained between two guards in a humble prison cell four words of encouragement the first rejoice in the lord the second let your gentleness be evident to all the third remember the lord is near and the fourth pray with thankfulness Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. There is an invitation here. An invitation, not a command. It's not a command, do not be anxious. Rather, it's an invitation to bring our anxieties to God. In every situation... About every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, bring your requests to God. It's an invitation not to worry, to allow our anxieties to drift away as we share them with our Heavenly Father, who has shoulders that are broader than ours, who can bear weights we cannot bear. It's an invitation to give thanks to God, not for the trials, but for our God, for his goodness, his presence and his listening ear in the midst of those trials. It's an invitation to make our requests made known to him. Not to dare to hope in silence, but to name them out loud in his presence. And there is a promise an invitation to prayer, and a promise to the one who prays. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When the life of following the Lord Jesus gets tough, we can so easily feel as though we're unprotected, It can feel as though our commitment to seek his kingdom first, to honour him with our words and in our hearts, to walk the way of the cross has left us vulnerable. And of course it has. But the scriptures are clear. If we will stand firm, if we rejoice in him, If we allow the Holy Spirit to make us more like Christ and to show forth his gentleness and his strength. If we remember that he is near and seek him while he may be found. And if we pray in all situations and in all circumstances with thanksgiving. If we do these things, then the wonderful The mysterious peace of God will guard and keep safe and protect our hearts and our minds. In the name of Christ. Amen.